We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues, and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice-cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Pele leaned in and said something to Freddie. Don't let them change you. Keep working on what makes you different and what makes you special. It was great advice, but it caused me some problems. But what could change Freddie do? Soccer is going to explode, and it's going to be around this kid. We were the Beatles. Everywhere we went, it was the Freddie show. And with that came the expectation, and with that came the pressure. New episodes of American Prodigy drop Tuesdays from Blue Wire Podcasts. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This. Welcome into the Wednesday edition of the Pack-A-Day Podcast. I'm Steve Fretch, joined as always by Dusty Evely. Sarah Keller, what's going on, boys and girls? Nothing, man. Another win. Another week, another win. Living living life. I'm living my best life right now, Steve. (laughs) Your favorite term. Yeah, great. Packers won. We had uh, at work, we had our virtual holiday party um, today. So, and that was actually a lot of fun. I was curious how that was going to go, but we did a virtual gift exchange and everything that one person hosted and they had all the gifts. So pretty cool. I'm in the holiday mood. Packers won. So feeling good over here. What'd you you win, Sarah? So for the second year in a row, My boyfriend, Bailey, and I won Bailey's by a total coincidence. So very interesting that that's happened twice now. Um, And, like, it's a white elephant where you can steal. And so once, like, we had another gift and then it got stolen. 
And we had that one, and then everyone's like, yeah, no, we, we're not stealing the Baileys from Bailey. So <laughs> two years in a row now, that's happened, but we'll take it. Bailey um, was happy. I'm going to change my name to Weller 12-year, and I'm going to see if the same thing happens for me when I try this, Steve. <laughs> no, we couldn't possibly. Works, couldn't possibly. If it works, please let me know because I'll, I'll end up doing the same thing. I'll keep you posted. <laughs> well, the Packers beat the Eagles and moved to 9-3, and three, sitting comfortably in the number two seed in the NFC, uh, right behind the Saints and Taysom Hill and all his glory. Um, apparently, they don't even need Drew Brees anymore, so mm-hmm. uh, um, the way the things are going over there. But it was a fun game to watch, uh, you know, with the whole prop bet thing that we do. Sarah had picked out the over-under on Jalen Hurts, the backup quarterback, and how many snaps he would get. And, Sarah, we had set it at, I believe it was three and a half, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's three and a half, and lo and behold, he played way more than that, and just to annoy me and Sarah. So Dusty picked the over, Sarah and I had the under, so Dusty is now in the lead by one game, sitting at five and six. Sarah and I have records of four and seven, and I somehow am remembering I was like three and one at the beginning of the season, so I have just been on a... I, may, I need to pull a Sarah. I just need to start fading my own choices and uh, get get back on that winning streak, I think, so... We'll uh, we'll have another prop bet for the Lions game coming up, but moving on to some news and notes, there's been a slew of injuries, signings, all sorts of uh, movement from the practice squad, so we're going to try to keep you up to date as humanly possible. We've got Tyler Irvin, uh, Wynn, and Raven Green moving to the IR with injuries, uh, not known whether or not all of them, none of them, some of them will be back before... Um, the end of the season, but uh, missing at least three weeks uh, in a corresponding move. They have brought up Henry Black to the active roster, the safety, and signed tight end Isaac Nauta to the practice squad. Jesse, why don't you tell us all about Isaac and uh, his amazing RAS score? <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it's kind of fun. You know, everyone kind of has in their minds what the Packers like to draft, the kind of guys they like to bring in. They've got, you know, height thresholds. They've got RAS score thresholds, which if you're – I mean, I assume everyone's familiar, but if you're not, RAS score is uh, relative athletic score is, is a metric developed by uh, Kent Ploss, uh, the Lions guy, that, that pretty much everyone that I know uses when you're looking at draft stuff. I think the Packers do as well. And so it, it – on a scale of 1 to 10, how athletic you are. So the Packers usually like these guys, you know, 8 and above. I know Rashawn Gary, that was one of the big guys, and he was like a 9.9, like just freak athlete. Uh, Nada is a, I don't have the card in front of me, 1.53, 1.53. He's essentially below average, at, like way below average at everything except like he's kind of strong. That's about it. I saw him somewhat at Georgia. He played at Georgia. Like, he seems perfectly fine. But, yeah, you see, uh, that's one of the first things. They bring a guy in. You check the RAS score. I bet this guy's a freak, if nothing else. And then you see that and go, oh, <laughs> did they forget? Is it supposed to be like 10.53? Did they miss They missed the number in there or something? So it's, uh, it's a little little odd for sure. Yeah, not not quite. Maybe it was supposed to be like a 15.3 or something like that, a decimal. Just move a decimal really, point or something. Really blow him away, point, yeah. Yeah, not great, but uh, that's probably why he's on the practice squad. So, Next up, we've got the fact that the Packers have officially announced there won't be any expanded attendance at Lambeau Field for the rest of the regular season um, beyond the couple hundred family members of team employees that they've allowed the past two games. So 
Please note that it did say regular season in the tweet. So if the playoffs come around and the vaccines are out, maybe things change a little bit. Who knows? But at least for the regular season, that is what is going on. Uh, so it sucks, I would say, but probably a smart, smart move on the Packers part. Like you just don't – I mean, again, you've seen all these COVID outbreaks. You've seen Des Bryant – Test like getting pulled from the field tonight from the Tuesday night football game, whatever <laughs> it's being called, Monday night. I don't know what the hell. Like, is it Sunday night football? I forget what they're even calling this one. But he got pulled from the field because he just tested positive. And NFL's like, yeah, we're gonna just we're just gonna play the game. It's no big deal. It's <laughs> no big deal. We're gonna play the game. He didn't. He wasn't in close contact with him yet. There's multiple tweets out there saying he's out there hugging everybody and you know talking to to a lot of people. So. It just seems like a very, very smart move for the Packers just to, you know, hold off until playoff time comes around, and hopefully by that point maybe we can slowly ease some Packers fans back into Lambeau, get a couple of good Lambeau leaps in there. But I would say, uh, I, I knowing you guys, I'm going to say you both agree with that, that sentiment, right? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Tuesday, uh, while we record this, that means that is the Pat McAfee show with Aaron Rodgers. And Sarah was able to take a listen. Uh, I want you to give us some of the highlights before Dusty and I have a little fun at the end of it. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, they talked about the 400 career passing touchdowns um, and just what what did that feel like. And you know, Rodgers said it was awesome and that he uh, was excited that he was able to get the game ball. Um, and then he went into an interesting discussion about how he has a ton of game balls because earlier in his career and in the past, they would just kind of give random game balls out for anything. So it was like, oh, you threw this many passes and, like, didn't have an incompletion. No one's ever done that before. Here's a game ball. Um, so he was like, he, he said, like, it was really cool that he got that one, but it also felt weird because the significance of like receiving a game ball has kind of devalued itself for him just because he got so many random ones, but that this one was still pretty special. Um, he also talked about how at the end of the game he chatted really quick with J- Jalen Hurts and Carson Wentz, um, and he said with Jalen Hurts he really didn't say much, and Jalen Hurts did most of the talking, and he said he was very respectful towards him and um was really appreciative of his kind words. And with Carson Wentz, he said, you know, he wasn't going to say what he said, but he wanted to give him some, like, motivation and words of wisdom or something like that. And he said, I just want to let him know that I ha- I'm i rooting for him or something like that. So I really wonder if, like, there was some conversation with, like, I got it, like, use it as motivation. I know people have theories about love and when the Packers drafted Jordan Love, that that motivated Aaron Rodgers. So I don't know if maybe something came up there. All speculation, of course. And then my favorite part um, was, of course, they talked about Bakhtiari and the whole gift-giving scandal that has been um, going on this entire season, how (laughs) Rodgers says that David Bakhtiari is a great left tackle but not a great gift-giver, and that he um, is expecting something big this year. He also talked a little bit about how Bakhtiari was running down that whole way with MVS to uh, block for Aaron Jones on that 70-something yard touchdown. I think 77 yards Mm -hmm. was the exact number, and he said it's just a test, and Pat McAfee asked, like, is that a testament to how close you guys are this year, and you're, you're 
he's celebrating on both sides of the ball, and he actually called the uh, NFL the no-fun league, Aaron Rodgers did, and he said, you know, in the no-fun league, uh, loosened up their celebration policies. It really worked in our favor because we're able to celebrate together, and he said they talked about the importance of you know, not just celebrating one guy who week after week has a really great performance, but everyone that does something really great. So I thought that was really cool, and and yeah, that, that's pretty much the main takeaway is I know you guys had uh, some thoughts about a certain little part in that episode too. Before we dive right into that part, uh, it made me think when you were talking about Bakhtiari running down the field, uh, there's a tweet from, uh, I'm going to screw up the pronunciation of his name, but uh, Dair Carragher. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but he's got like a, a screen, uh, not even a screen grab, but it's like the play formation and it follows every the movement of every single player. Oh, the dot. From that Aaron yeah. Jones. Yeah, the dot. And it's got Aaron jo- like Aaron Jones' touchdown run. And he goes, um, look at number 12. And he's, you see him after the handoff. He's not far behind everybody no, he was, else. He like, was booking I'll, it, yeah. Yeah, he, he was booking it down there as well. I'm gonna, I'll am gonna i retweet it so everybody can see that one too. But, like, man, <laughs> Rodgers was on the freaking move, like, wanting to celebrate that one too. So met- that was, like, a team effort. He mentioned that uh, he didn't really think he did much uh, blocking-wise running down the field, but maybe he got in someone's way, and he said his quads were uh, were burning after that <laughs> after that run. Before we get to the next thing, I, I just – I mean, Bakhtiari running down there after just getting paid, I thought was amazing. And then, you know, people have been getting on MVS, and he had the drop again this week. But MVS just – Doing whatever he, I mean, out racing Aaron Jones and then getting in the way of those guys to help spring Jones down the field a little bit too. I mean, just tremendous effort from MVS. I mean, whatever you want to say about the guy, you know, may not be, you know, apparently not the not the best hands. That's fine, but just tremendous effort and everyone seems to love him as a teammate as well. So that was a uh, I really really enjoyed seeing that on that play too. I legit thought he was going to tackle Aaron Jones at one point. Like I well, he, was, he was trying to squeeze <laughs> past him. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the biggest, most important, life-altering thing that Aaron uh, Rodgers said on the Pat McAfee show, he confirmed that Die Hard is, in fact, a Christmas movie. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, for anybody who's going to argue that it's not a Christmas movie, Aaron Rodgers has spoken, so, I mean, that's the end. I'll be all. I've had enough arguments about this with a lot of people, and, you know, done. It's over. The conversation is done with. So, And listen, the man's done a lot of really good things on and off the field. It- <laughs> Best thing he's ever done in his life, right there, is 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 that confirmation? Because Die Hard, we've we've talked about this before, Steve. It's it's remarkably mm-hmm. dumb. Like Die Hard, clearly a Christmas. Like even if you just look at some of the themes of it, Die Hard, clearly a Christmas movie. And if you argue to the contrary, it's it, listen. You're entitled to your opinion. This is not opinion. This is a fact. You are wrong if you think Die Hard is anything other than a Christmas movie. And Aaron Rodgers, who listens to the podcast, agrees with Steve and I. <laughs> I see nothing wrong with anything you just said. Though. Jake Polorto would be so proud of this conversation for anyone that watches Brooklyn Nine-Nine. So. Yeah, I got nothing. I watch that show, so it's great. great anyway, it's great. I've heard. I've heard. I, uh, yeah, just don't have that much time in my life to commit that. Like it's like six or seven seasons, isn't it? Yeah, but they're twenty minutes at a time, Steve. Yeah, just true. watch it. If you don't have to watch it all like in a row, man. I don't know. We'll see. Okay. Okay. 
There's, I got a lot of stuff going on, Dusty. Okay. By the time by, by the time the kids are in bed by like nine o'clock because they've gotten out of bed seven million times, I'm yeah, I'm tired. I don't hmm. I don't have time to watch like four or five shows at a time. It's just like one, and I'm like falling asleep on the couch. So I'm not gonna fight but you on this. But maybe, you should watch it. Maybe great. maybe I'll try. Maybe I'll try one. We'll see. I do. I do love a good Andy Samberg. So. It's a terrific cast. And Steve, it's the same. It's the same writer, director, creator that did uh, Parks and Rec and all that stuff. Like it's a really quality cast. It's it's a good show. Okay. I don't. I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll give it a shot. Okay. I did listen to that Taylor Swift album that you guys told me about that one time. So <laughs> mediocre. Is he mediocre? He's patting himself on the back. Get out of here. Get out of here. I am not. I forget who you the other album you told me that I had to listen to, but I actually liked that one. No, the That's Gaslight well. Anthem. That was Gaslight Anthem. Yeah, yeah. those are really those guys. Yeah, are really they're good. great. Anyway, let's probably we should probably get back to football. <laughs> <laughs> as we do, as always, for the Pack a Day podcast, we will preview the Packers' offense versus the uh, defense of their opponent for that week. So, my God, is it really week fourteen that we're coming up on? Yeah, it's insane. It has moved. So fast, uh, but week fourteen is going to be a three twenty-five showdown with the Detroit Lions. Um, it'll be Packers favored by seven and a half, and Packers are headed to Detroit. I believe is that right? They're headed to Detroit. Yes. No fans there anyway, so mm-hmm. who the hell cares? Uh, so indoor game should be a lot of fun, but. As always, we're going to do the thing. One thing that we're looking as a takeaway from the game. So, Sarah, we'll start with you. What are you looking at for Packers offense versus the Lions defense? So, the Lions have been outscored sixty-one to twenty-five in the last two weeks since they fired uh, Matt Patricia, and that has been against the Texans and the Panthers. So, two teams that are not so great. So, I think it'll be another. Uh, prime a scoring week for the offense. But the thing I'm going to be looking at is um, basically what Steve looks for every week, and that's, you know, how um, is Aaron Jones utilized in this game? I know uh, last week we finally kind of saw him get a few more snaps than Jamal Williams. I, it was kind of 50-50 split there for a while when he had just fresh off that uh, calf injury, but it looked like he was um, getting a few more this past week. But um, I'm sure you guys remember week two against the Lions was the Air- the week of Aaron Jones. That was a huge breakout week for him, 18 carries for 168 yards, two touchdowns, and he was averaging 9.3 uh, yards per carry, which is quite good. Um, so I'm going to be just looking for what they're able to do with Aaron Jones. The Lions are also the rank- or fifth worst uh, rushing yards defense in the NFL, so a lot of factors working in the Packers' favor, uh, especially in the run game, and I think Aaron Jones, you know, a lot of people were saying, oh, he still looks like he's hurt, or oh, he isn't playing as well, and at the end of the Eagles game, to kind of get that big touchdown, I think that builds helps him build a lot of confidence, he's finished the game on a high note, and now, you know, he's heading into this one feeling good, he looks to be pretty much back to 100%, and I think it'll be a big one for him. Yeah, and on top of that, with that uh, that Lions game week two, he also had you know four receptions, another touchdown, and another like sixty plus yards. So mm-hmm. on top of all of his rushing stuff, so the thing I'm looking for is going to be Devonte because 
this was the week he actually got injured. Um, it was week two versus the Lions. He had three targets, three receptions, 36 yards. And, I mean, the the Lions passing defense, their cornerbacks are just beaten to hell right now. We were trying, before the show even started, we were like, so who's who's their starting outside? Is it like Akuda? Is it who is it? And we're like, oh, wait, no, it looked like Akuda was out the last week. He potentially is out this week. And it's just a whole bunch of nobodies that, I mean, the way that Devontae's running, it's just going to be amazing to watch. So, you know, knock on wood, as long as there isn't a, a second injury against the Lions, he's going to be continuing on his war path that has been this entire year. Like he's, this is a, this is a setting the world on fire tour. Like, Oh, actually not. Now that I think about it, Dusty, are you officially in the Devante's a top five wide receiver? We talked category? about this earlier this year. Yes. Yes, I, I am. Okay. I mean, because he's very good and also because I'm, I'm sick of talking about it. <laughs> so basically, you're saying no. You just don't want to argue with me. No, no, I think he is, and I kind of, I, I think, I mean, I can't remember what it was earlier season. Like I went through it, and part of that was Antonio Brown had, you know, dropped out, and now he's back in. But whatever. But uh, there was, I think, he had made jumps, and some guys had fallen off a little bit. But yeah, I, I was in the Devonte Adams top five. Okay, cool. I'm so there, yeah, I'm, just, I'm looking for Devonte. I want to see. I just want to see him just go to town on, you know. On the outside, cornerbacks um, put him back in the slot and just see him make somebody look like a fool and be like 12 yards open in the middle of the field. It'll be <laughs> outstanding. So, Dusty, please uh, inform all the people what you are looking for, high-level stuff. Yeah, I mean, so first off, yeah, it's worth noting, so last week was actually the first game without Patricia. He was fired after the Houston game. Uh, they went in, and then they won. They won this game. They won this game, but they also gave up. 30 points to the Bears, so whatever. I, the one thing that I am curious about, just just before I get started too much, is their use of, of kind of how they play and kind of getting used to that stuff. Patricia was, was basically a strict man coverage guy. I think he was uh, typically 85% man coverage, and he didn't have the personnel to do it. And it looked like they are playing a lot more zone against the Bears uh, with, I think, like Corey Unlin is the guy. He was the defensive back coach in, in, uh, with the Eagles for five years before coming over. So he's kind of the interim defensive coordinator. With Bevel as the is the offensive coordinator, I assume that's he's just handling the defense. Anyway, uh, they played a lot more zone, and so it's kind of one of those. Maybe they're better suited for that, but also they only have one game of actually being used to that. So that's one thing to, to pay attention to. The other thing, I don't have any numbers for this. They used to have a place that like had defenses against play action numbers, and I couldn't find that. Uh, they, they took those down, so I don't know what those are. But from what I've seen, the Lions, not particularly good against, they're not particularly good against defending the run, so their inside linebackers have a tendency to bite really, really hard on play action. Uh, and so that whether that's like Jared Davis or Jamie Collins or Jelani Tavai, whoever, they're really like getting up to the line really, really hard, leaving that back behind open. And so I, I'm kind of, I'm curious how the Packers attack that. Now, the Packers have not, you know, pre-Lafleur, not a, a huge play-action team, usually middle of the pack, slightly lower. This year they're up a bit. I think Rodgers is seventh in the league at uh, play-action percentage. This year Rodgers using play-action on 29% of his dropbacks. He's completing 70.5% of his passes, has 16 touchdowns and no interceptions. So that sounds really good, but he's, he's doing good regardless. But it's still on play-action dropbacks. His completion percentage is two points higher than non-play action. His yards per attempt is one yard higher, and his QB rating is, is nearly 30 points higher when he's running play action. Now, this is where it gets really fun. 
I'm not going to count the Bears game because that's Trubisky. So the last time they faced an actual honest-to-God quarterback was Deshaun Watson a couple weeks back. The Texans ran play action 40% of the time. 40% of the time. On those play action attempts, Watson's completion percentage, 29 points higher. His yards per attempt, nearly six yards higher. And his quarterback rating was nearly 23 points higher. And the only reason that's not higher is because when he dropped back on those dropbacks in play action, he had a perfect 158.3 QB rating. So... I'm saying they're using play action 29% of the time. Use it at least that much, maybe more, and they're going to absolutely roast this defense. Those linebackers are pulling up. That middle is going to be wide, wide open. So, yeah, just uh, just use some play action. I'm, I'm looking to see, do they up that? Are they keeping at 29%? Are they going to go up? And how do they do when they do it? Because I think they're going to kill them. 2020 has already reshaped how we work, and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be their most efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world, with more total visits than any other job site, according to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching you with candidates instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job, making Indeed the only job site that can move as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Term and conditions apply. Man, that was thoroughly impressive. You used a way to roast the Lions and Mitchell Trubisky all at the same time, and I'm totally here for it. Really excited about that, Steve. (laughs) (laughs) That was just some some of your best work on the Pack-A-Day podcast I've ever heard. Thank you. Well done, buddy. Well done, buddy. Well done. All right, so we've got our, uh, our our prop bet that we need to do for the Lions game. And as Sarah alluded to, the rush defense for the Lions isn't great. And she also talked then uh, as well about Aaron Jones and what he did in week two. So that's kind of where I went. This is my, my week to come up with the prop bet. And we decided to do team rushing yards for the Green Bay Packers. So... Right now, the way the season sits, the Packers are averaging 124.2 rush yards a game, and the Detroit Lions are uh, averaging 133.9 yards given up per game for rushing. So, we will set the over-under at 129.5. Dusty, you are in the lead, so you will go last. Sarah, you are up first. I'm going to take the over um, for all the reasons I talked about before. I think this is going to be a bounce back um, or continuation of the way that Aaron Jones played at the end of the game this past week, and it'll be a great game for the run uh, overall for Green Bay. So I'm, I'm taking the over. I'm feeling confident. Yeah, I think I'm, I'm sitting the same way that you are. I mean, the way that Aaron Jones ran um... You know, mix Jamal Williams in there, 
getting to over 130 for that game, like I don't, I don't feel that that should be an issue for them at all. Even mixed in with the, all the play action, I mean, by the, by the end of the third quarter, Tim Boyle should be in and <laughs> running the offense. So <laughs> you know they're not going to let him throw the ball. I apologize, Andy. Uh, they're probably not going to let him throw the ball. So I would assume there's going to be a heavy run by the end of the game. So I will take the over. Dusty, what are you thinking? That's such a sincere apology to Andy. I like it. Uh, yeah, man, I hate to do this, but actually I'd have written down. I am, I'm going to take the over as well. I mean, for some of the same reasons you said, I think, um, you know, after a couple down games for the rushing game, I think the Packers rushing attacks are getting back on track. And, and I mean, really above that, uh, it's really kind of what you hit on, Steve. I mean, I, I do think – they're going. I think the the Lions have a perfectly fine offense, but I think I mean the, the way the Packers are operating right now, I think the Packers are going to be ahead, you know, two scores midway through the second, and the Packers are going to just be looking to run a little more. So whether or not it's effective or not, I think they're going to be pounding the ball a little bit more, and I think they're going to come out with with pretty decent yardage out of that. So yeah, I think. Uh, Again, kind of, kind of hate to do that. I'd like to give you guys a chance to get back in, try to take down the king, but uh, I'll take. Uh, <laughs> going to have to take the over on it. The king sitting five and six, Steve. <laughs> oh my god! This just—it just realized this. We are the—we are the NFC East of prop bets. Mm-hmm. Like legitimately, that's exactly what we are. We are. <laughs> You are in the lead with a five and six record and talking so much trash. I will be Colt McCoy. Thank you for asking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, very good. So we'll uh, we'll all take a look at that. Um, we will force Dusty not to pick the same thing as us next week, just because that's got it. for for funsies. That'll be what'll happen. But for fun- we have get, for funsies. Uh, all right, we've got questions. We have a lot of questions from you guys. Thanks as always to responding to our call out. On Twitter forum, you guys brought it. Um, we had we had so many, we actually didn't. We're not going to be able to answer all of them this week. I apologize. But first up, we've got Mike Kawano who wants to know what is a better Christmas cookie, the sugar cookie or the gingerbread. So Sarah, we're going to start with you. This is hard because I don't think you can go wrong with either of them. Like they're they're both great, especially during the holidays. But I think if we're specifically talking about around Christmas and that holiday season, I'm going to go with gingerbread just because I feel like I can eat a sugar cookie year-round. And, yes, I could eat a gingerbread cookie year-round too, but it feels it feels right. Like it just feels like it's right when I eat it during the Christmas season. Yeah, I'm right there with you. It's it it. It smells and it tastes like Christmas. It just it has that it it has that quality to it. So yeah, I'm, I love sugar cookies. My family has a, a tradition of spritz cookies. I don't know if you know spritz cookies. They're basically pure butter and you shoot them out of a gun and they're amazing and I love them. But if we're picking between sugar and gingerbread, it's it's got to be gingerbread. Plus, if they're the gingerbread man, you get to beat their just eat their head off, which I'm always a fan of. So. Shocking! The dude who loves creepy like slasher movie wants to bite people's heads off. I'm sorry, quiet, Steve. My my slasher movies on in the background. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was on mute. What the hell? No, it is. It is. Okay, uh, I will disagree with you guys though. I'm sugar cookie. Like if you can give me a you know Christmas tree shaped shaped uh, cookie with the icing and all the little stuff. Like I'll go to town for those all year round. I don't care, but. I feel like a gingerbread cookie is overrated. I'm not a huge fan of the gingerbread cookie. Uh, I think gingerbread is perfect as a house, and you get to decorate it and smash it, and that's about it. So, Next up, we have 
Oh my Zadarius. What just a great name there, mm. buddy. Outstanding. Um, how much do you believe a prolonged departure for Raven Green will impact the Packers defense? Dusty, let's start with you. Yeah, I mean, based on what we saw earlier this year, I mean, I think a decent amount. I mean, I think, you know, they, they kind of have different guys like to try in that role. Now, I, I mean, I'll say something in a second. I may counteract this. But, I mean, I think uh, when he was out earlier, it was a lot more of Redmond kind of in that role. And Redmond just is not not that guy. I mean, I think with the with the rise maybe of Kamal Martin uh, as that linebacker a little bit, and I think with Savage playing more towards the line, I, I don't think the effect is nearly as big as maybe it would have been. And Shannon Sullivan's been playing well as, as well, kind of as that corner, we're able to rotate um, Savage down a little bit. So I don't think it's going to be bad as it was earlier in the season. But, I mean, I think Raven Green – I'm just I've always been a huge fan of his I think just his skill set is good I think when he's on the field he's shown really really good things that continued this year so I think it's it's going to negatively impact the defense although I think it's mitigated a bit now just just with Savage's role and kind of how they're playing him a little bit more but uh yeah I mean I think it's uh, I I don't think it's going to be good it certainly hurts him he's a he's a good player yeah I mean everything Dusty already said I think if this happened, I mean, it did happen earlier in the season, but now Savage has kind of come out of his shell a little more. He's playing really well. So, yes, like he will be missed and you'll be able to, it'll be noticeable, but I don't think it has as big of an impact, you know, and I, I it is disappointing. I feel like he, he has trouble staying healthy, which is unfortunate because it's been exciting to watch him make some big plays. I mean, totally agree with everything you guys are saying. The one X factor I'm going to be looking for is Vernon Scott, seventh-round pick from this year. He's flashed every once in a while when he's gotten a little bit of playing time and made some good plays, made some good tackles. So I think he's somebody to look out for. He kind of fits that Raven Green hybrid role, and it'll be interesting to see if he actually gets some run as well. But he's somebody that I would be excited for as a Packers fan, potentially – kind of filling in for a couple of weeks when Raven Green goes on the IR. Next up, we have Sam, who wants to know, all wide receivers on the Green Bay roster are free agents in either 2021 or 2022 off-seasons. What do you see them doing as far as keeping, letting guys walk? So she even broke it down saying Adams is 2022, MBS 2022, EQ 2022, Funches 2022, Austin is 2021, Lazar 21, and Malik Taylor 21. So, I mean, we can probably collaborate on all of this one, but I mean, we're all, at this point, everybody's kind of expecting an Adams extension, am I right? I assume so. I mean, the, the complicating factor is, is, is COVID cap, right? I mean, that's, that's part of it, but I, I, I have to assume at this point that is coming. It's just a matter of when. What about MVS and EQ? They're both uh, – this is their third year, so they've get, both got one more year. What do we think after 2022? Is it bringing one back? Is it letting them both go? I mean, they were, what, fourth and fifth? The fourth and fifth rounders? Fifth and or sixth, and I think, yeah. Fifth and sixth, yeah. I think for me, I think MVS um, – has an element of speed there. 
uh, that that it, I think you've got to find somewhere. If you don't find that with someone else, I think it's MVS. I know these have the issues with drops and all that stuff, but he, there's an element of speed that it's really hard to replace. Um, EQ, I think a lot depends on the rest of this year. Um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a big fan of his. I think when he's out there, I think he does really good things. So I think if he continues to do that, I think they, I think they bring him back. Um, but I think, I mean, so much depends on what he does the rest of this year and next year for sure. Yeah, I don't, I don't think there's a world where they keep both of them. Yeah. Um, I think it's one or the other, and I, I lean towards MVS. Um, a major reason, just knowing like the way that Rogers and Devontae Adams and his other teammates talk about him, they don't talk about EQ like that, unfortunately. They don't have as high praise, and I think you see, like Dusty said, there's the element of speed, but there's also he's a team player. He ran down with Aaron Jones on that whole play and made sure he got in the end zone. So I think if they do keep one, it'll be MVS. I'm going to go a little bit bold, I guess. I would say I think they're both gone. Uh, as much as Rodgers likes MVS, as much as he likes EQ, unless they're coming back on like low vet minimum deals, I, I feel like somebody will give MVS a little bit more money to come play for them in a more prominent role as a deep ball guy, you know, a little bit more than the Packers are going to be willing to pay. And there's something about EQ about like the, his family. He's got that weird family. Like they're, they're really, really strange. And him trying to sign a veterans minimum or, you know, a, a minimum contract with the Packers, it just doesn't, doesn't sit right with me. Like he's going to want that opportunity to be a number two somewhere or number three somewhere. I don't and think I just I don't, don't anything think about his family, Steve. Uh, oh, I'll, I'll do a little research, but I'm pretty positive his uh, his dad is a like super strange, like almost kind of like Lavar Ball type of dude. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, like a super. I'll. Uh, I'm pretty positive there's a couple of articles written about it, and I'll uh, I'll I'll find it and I'll send it to you. But yeah, I'm curious. Um, I I just have a feeling like he's gonna want some kind of opportunity that he's he feels is a better situation where he's not just continuing limited, but um. And that leads us into Funchess, who, for me, I feel like he's not going to be back even next year. I feel like they're going to want that cap space. They're going to, as much as it sucks that he he opted out due to COVID, no no qualms about it. Like, it was the best move for him and his family. No problem with that whatsoever. But, I mean, they're going to need that cap space. So I feel like they're comfortable with MVS, with EQ, Alan Lazard, that kind of stuff. Like they're going to want those guys, and they'll give them the money of the proven aspects that they know. So, do you guys think Funches is back? Do you think he's gone? What are your thoughts? That always felt like a one-year deal, anyway, to me. Like I think because they had now, like I don't think he's any money on the books, right? Like there's no guaranteed money next year. So I was always that's my understanding, anyway. I was always under the understanding it's basically a one-year kind of stopgap measure, anyway, and then he just didn't go for the one year. So, yeah, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's back. Same. All right, and then we've got Tavon Austin, Alan Lazard, Malik Taylor. Sarah, what do you think? Is there two, two, three, all of them? What do you think? I, I, see, Lazard, I see Lazard coming back. The others, I, I just don't think I know enough yet. Um, but Lazard seems like he'll be a guy that's definitely back. I think he he understands his role and he plays it really well, and um, they'll do what they can to keep him there. Yeah, I think Austin for this offense, you need I, whether whether it's Austin or not, you need a guy like Austin 
in this offense. And that had been Tyler Irvin. I assume we're going to start seeing some Tavon Austin now that Irvin is, is on IR. But you need a guy like that in this offense, that jet sweep guy, return guy, kind of gadgety guy. Like that that kind of we, – we saw that when Irvin was gone, they didn't have a replacement. Like that, he kind of makes the stuff – makes everything kind of – go. That motion is so critical of this. So uh, I think either Austin or, I mean, EQ can fill that role as well, but I think you need a guy like Austin. So whether it's Austin or not, um, we'll, we'll see kind of what happens this year, but I wouldn't be shocked if they bring him back on a low deal. Um, Lazard, I'm with Sarah. I mean, it's kind of one of those where he's playing so well that you kind of, I mean, I assume they're going to pay him to bring him back. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if some team tries to offer a little bit more, but I think everyone loves him, and I think he loves being there. So I think Lazard certainly seems like a guy they are going to try to bring back, and they should be right to. He does, I mean, beyond the the receiver aspect, he's also the guy that kind of fills that just a term. We talked about MVS as like a willing blocker earlier. Lazard is a legit very good blocker, and Lafleur's kind of, you know, tying everything to the run game offense, that's critical. So I think Lazard's back. And then Taylor, Taylor, I like what he's showing, but he seems like he's just a guy to me. Like, he seems perfectly fine. So out of those, I think Lazard seems like a lock. Try to bring him back. Then Austin, if it's not him, it's a guy like him. I don't know. I Like, I agree on Lazard. I think Austin is long gone after next year. Uh, but I feel like Malik Taylor is, to me, almost like a lock. Like, they seem to legit love that dude in the front office to the point of, uh, we like he, we saw nothing from him. Obviously, there was no preseason or anything like that. But all of a sudden, like to throw him onto the the fifty three man and have him running with that team the whole time. Like I like I feel like they legit love him. Um, so I would think that Lazard and Taylor both be back. Obviously, Taylor will be much cheaper. But agreed agreed with all everything you guys said on uh, on Lazard. Like he likes being with Rodgers. I think he, he thrives in that number two role, a possession receiver and uh, can make some big plays here and there. So I think that's uh, to me that that would be that. And then, I mean, I've seen, I've seen, you know, Juju Schuster Smith as a prove it deal. I've seen first round wide receivers in mock drafts. Like I, like I feel like it, at some point there's got to be some kind of addition to that yeah. team uh, that, uh, or that, um, you know, that locker room group. So it's, something's going to change. So you would, fingers crossed, hope. But uh, <laughs> we all said it was going to happen this year. Definitely did not. But next up, we have Matthew Keating, who wants to know, would you go with Bakhtiari, Patrick, Jenkins, Turner, Wagner, or Bakhtiari, Runyon, Jenkins, Patrick, Turner, or something else until Lindsley returns? Sarah, what are you thinking about the offensive line? I think I would go with the first option, Bakhtiari, Patrick, Jenkins, Turner, Wagner. Uh, I just feel like that's worked when it's been in there. I know uh, Runyon has done a decent job when he's had to step in, but the first one seems to provide a little more consistency. They seem to work together pretty well um, for now, so that's what I would go with. I mean, they've been doing great no matter who's in there, so... The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division, and championship futures all day. Every day, head to Bet Online online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. 
Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. I think I, and I think I'd go with the second one. I like I like Runyon. I like what he's shown. I think putting him in there at guard. I think I mean that's why they one of the reasons they drafted him. I hope he can hold down a guard spot for the future. I think that's his spot. Uh, you you give that to him. And I think Turner has, has done better at right tackle than I kind of expected him to do. And he had lapses at guard last year. Tur- Turner to me seems like a guy that if you kind of you start moving him around a whole lot, I feel like there's you're going to get more of those lapses. He's always going to have those those moments where he just is I don't know isn't paying attention or forgets assignment or something like he just seems like that that's kind of he'll have those occasionally but it seems to be it's a lesson if you give him a role um, that he kind of stick with so I think keeping Turner at right tackle he hasn't been terrible I think he's been I think he's been perfectly fine there um, so that that seems really to me good. he had like one of the highest block percentages in, he's in been, all like of he still had some of those he still had some of those weird lapses but yeah he's had a, he's I think he's had a better season at right tackle he's had a right guard and I think part of that is knowing. <laughs> knowing that he's going to be there. Maybe his skill set's better suited. I'm not a huge offensive line aficionado by any sense of the imagination. But I think, yeah, I think just running's your guard, Turner's your tackle, and then you just you go from there. That's I'm, I'm going second alignment. Um, I'm just going to say uh, I, I fully trust the Packers offensive line coaches to make that decision because, <laughs> honestly, Rodgers has been sacked less than – I can remember in the entire period of time that Rodgers has been at quarterback. Dusty, what you you say he's been hit like 16 times the whole year? Yeah, I didn't see going to the Eagles game. I think he, he got a couple hits, but he had going into the Eagles game 16 hits on the year, which is, I mean, I feel like he's usually sacked more than 16 times by this point in the season. <laughs> I'm pretty positive Wentz had been sacked 50-plus times in 12 games. Yeah, I know so, going going that game, Wentz's QB hits were more than four times higher than what Rodgers had been going into that game. <laughs> sure, yeah. Whatever they they always talk about, you know, putting in the the best five offensive linemen, and at this point, I trust them to do it. I know um, uh, Patrick missed like whiffed on the one sack of the mm-hmm. game, uh, but it, it happens to everybody. Like Bakhtiari's gotten beat here and there. It happens, but. For the most part, he was very well protected and could pretty much go wherever the hell he wanted to. So I trust that that offensive line group knows, uh, the coaching group knows who is the best five at that time, and they're going to they're gonna put them out there to protect 12 because that's pretty much the most important thing on the field. So next up, we got our good buddy Eric Rose um, wants to know, after 12 games and looking at the playoffs now, what about the Packers makes you say they can absolutely beat anyone, anytime? And on the other side, what makes you say, yeah, that's why they got beat? And his food question, what is your best holiday drink? And we have a Steve Dusty division and a Stara <laughs> division, which, uh, my God, does Eric just get us. That's, uh, <laughs> he, brings the, he brings the questions every damn week. So thank you, Eric, for that. Dusty, I'll start with you. Why uh, why are the Packers absolutely able to beat anybody at any time? 
Offense is something, man. Like, I mean, if if the offense keeps doing like they're doing, they look borderline unstoppable in, in run game and pass game. And so if they if they start getting that rolling, if they just do that, they'll be fine. And then all defense has to do is is you know make a couple stops, hold hold guys to field goals instead of touchdowns, and make it like a single splash play, whether that's a sack on third down or an interception or a forced fumble or something. Like you don't need to do much when the offense is doing. And so if they do that, they can beat anyone. Um, <laughs> on the other side, when they, that's where they got beat, it's it's soft defense, and the offense has shown a, a few different times throughout the past two years that if they get derailed early, it can get track get off track really, really early, it, like really easily, and they have a hard time getting back on. Like if they start, well, the first first play is a penalty. I was kind of had that fear against the Eagles. First play was a fumble, and the next one was a sack, and then it was uh, like a short completion, and then it was a punt, and it was you know they were, they were second and sixteen. Like if you get into those second and sixteen, second and twelves. Early, it seems like they're pushing, and then it's just done for them. So if they lose, it's soft defense, and it's the it's the offense just not getting on track early, and then just everything steamrolling from there. Yeah, for me, this is simple. The keys to Green, Green Bay winning every game is obviously the offense. The offense is spectacular. It's definitely their strength. Their weakness is, you know, on special teams especially, and with their run defense. I think the run defense has been doing – a little bit better, but if Green Bay is going to win a game, it's absolutely going to be because of Aaron Rodgers and the offense, and if they're going to lose a game, it's either because special teams just absolutely blew it, um, or that the defense just didn't show up. They're, um, in, or the defense did not play a complete game. It's something I've been writing about in nearly every recap that stands out to me is that the defense cannot seem to show up for all four quarters. There's always a quarter in there where they're up and they're down and it's not great. And then they come back the next quarter and they look a little better. So um, as you know, the Packers progress and they most likely knock on wood, make the playoffs, they can't afford their defense to not show up for all four quarters. So if they're going to lose a game, that definitely could be why. And if you ask me why the Packers can absolutely beat anyone, anytime, anywhere, I'll tell you it's because of Aaron Rodgers. He's playing at a MVP level. We all see it. We all know it. And when he's going crazy, the offense is going just as crazy as he is. And, and, and that's just as simple as that. Getting beat, um, that's why they get beat. I mean, there there was a Colts game. They, you, you turn the ball over four times, and you're you're still in the game, which is outstanding. But if you're playing against a really good team and you turn the ball over four times, nine times out of ten, you're going to lose that game. Maybe 99 times out of 100, you're going <laughs> to lose that game. So it's um, making sure that you're taking care of the ball, which they normally do. And but as Dusty said, over the last few years, you've seen every once in a while it can get sloppy, it can get out of hand, it can get, uh, it can just get you know it can get like that. And so that's there's there's always that ability in the NFL. It's not just the Packers. You like you look at the Chiefs, they you look at the Steelers. They just lost to the Washington Football Team. Everybody's making those jokes this this week. You know, eleven and zero, and they lost to a team that doesn't have a nickname. And then you talk to the Chiefs, who are so amazing, they're so awesome, and they barely beat Drew Locke in the Broncos. Like it's you can't, you don't have this perfect team. Like with a salary cap, with all these things, there's every team has these flaws. So they, they do as well as they can, but eventually, the you know they run into the gauntlet, and they run into something bad that happens, and you just 
it just you don't expect it, but it, it, there's a loss that's down the road that you doesn't you don't see. So it can happen to everybody. So let's move on to his food question, which is the best holiday drink. Uh, Sarah, you are in your own division, unless you'd like to join us in the adult division. Up to you. But uh, what is your <laughs> holiday drink? I mean, it's really basic, but I can't ever go wrong with a good hot chocolate during the holiday season. <laughs> <laughs> that was the most innocent-sounding thing I've ever heard in my life. I love it, Sarah. It's of me to say, but it's true. Um, so, yeah, that's my answer, plain and simple. Does your mom still bring it to you with little, like, mini marshmallows or... No, I make my own. <laughs> I know people. It's regular size marshmallows. I know people can't see her right now, but they're like the way she said that, combined with like her pigtails, is just it was just just an amazing combination tonight, Sarah. I loved it. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. <laughs> um, so, all right, so for me, I'll go. I'll, I'll give you two. I'll give you my liquor and non-liquor. Liquor is, and I've talked about this before, so I won't spend a whole lot of time. It's it's hot cider and Fireball. Because it's it's amazing, um, and for the non one, and this is just this is local to me. I, get, I think they distribute outside of Kentucky a little bit, but not too much. Uh, every Christmas Eve, I have the Westex Christmas Ale. It's a local brewery. They do an amazing Christmas ale. I think it's like eight or nine percent, and it's just you know filled. It's dark. It's dark as the night itself, and it's just filled with a whole bunch of spices, and it's amazing. I drink one or three of those and put together toys, and then I watch uh, Silent Night, Deadly Night, and it's it's one of the nights I look forward to uh, most most in the calendar year, so that's uh, those are my drinks. I do always appreciate getting drunk on Christmas Eve and having to put together uh, put together toys and all sorts of stuff. So it's great. That's a, that's a good dad holiday tradition, because my <laughs> yeah. wife is normally just fast asleep by nine o'clock while I'm putting together easels and, you know, power wheels and all sorts of crap. Just cursing and watching Bad Santa at the same time. There's nothing nothing like it, Steve. (laughs) Uh, As far as my holiday drink, uh, normally on Christmas Eve is when I dip into the good bourbon. That's what, uh, normally there's like tiers to my bourbon that uh, I've got like three-ish rows and it's, just the regular drinking stuff, the, the the pretty good stuff that I'll share with, like, good friends. And then the back row is things that I'm allowed to drink and nobody else is allowed <laughs> to touch. <laughs> uh, so that normally entails, like, a Weller 12. I've got a Willet Fortier and Rye in the back. I've got a bottle of Blanton's. Uh, and now the bottle of 1792 12-year, those all sit in the back row. So I'll pick out one of those ones, one of the good ones, and just – be able to sip on it and kind of enjoy the the Christmas night and, and and go from there. It's always a Christmas Eve is always a good time to to self reflect and have a nice a nice cocktail. So mm-hmm. let's see, we've got uh, two more questions. Oh, actually, I take that back. We've got three. Dusty, this is one that you wanted to answer. So this one was from Smod, and. Are you concerned that Josh Jackson was inactive on Sunday? No. 
the end. <laughs> I mean, it's like uh, you could say like maybe a little just because he had been playing like fairly decently, but to me it's kind of they feel like they know what they have in him. And Kevin King was active, and when Kevin King is out there, Kevin King is going to be playing the role that Jackson had been playing. And the only reason Jackson had been getting those snaps was because Kevin King was injured. So it to me it seems like they're not planning on keeping him past his rookie deal, which from what we've seen seems. Fine, I kind of like him, but that that's fine. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean it's it just seems like in line with how they viewed him coming into the season during the season. It's not really not really anything out of the ordinary, I don't think. All right, Dusty, you got this one DM to you. It was with this draft class uh, being one for the future. What do you think the biggest difference is in the offense? Even though a wide receiver wasn't drafted, the offense seems to have progressed significantly. Or is this like a question you wanted to talk about yourself and you just were like, oh, this one got DM'd to me? No, 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 no. I thought, you know, he DM'd it because it's a private account, um, so I don't really want to mention his name. But, I mean, I think you had a good point with it too, Steve. So, I mean, I think it's – it's. Uh, you know what, Steve? Why don't you go ahead? Why don't you kick us off and start start going with this one? Because I think you, you had a different take on this than I did. Okay. That's fair. Well, I didn't really expect that at all. Uh, I expected you just to go into it. But uh, my, my thought was um, – it, the the way that I read this question was that the fact that the Packers have been doing so well on offense, they you know everybody was clamoring for a wide receiver in free agency. They were clamoring for a wide receiver in the draft, and it didn't happen. But why is the offense so much better now? And it's I mean it's the fact that it is year two. It's the fact that they've had a second year in Lafleur's offense. They feel everybody feels more comfortable. Rodgers is getting the ball out on time. Like you've like he's never done in Mike McCarthy's offense where Mike McCarthy was like third and one. Hey, everybody go really, really deep. Everybody go as far as you can. And then Rodgers has to break contain and get out and try to make an extra play. Like the way those words offense runs is that it's, it's supposed to have those mesh concepts. It's supposed to have crossers. It's supposed to free guys up with non illegal pick plays and, Rodgers sees those things. He's getting rid of the ball, and to me, that's why they're having that kind of success. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you can add a first-round, second-round playmaker on a, at a wide receiver in this upcoming draft, I'm all about that. That's going to make that even even more efficient, even better, but they've got the pieces that they like, and I think they've, they've grabbed the people that they feel fit really well. Like, they've got the possession in Lazard. They've got the deep ball in MVS, they've got the stud in, in Devante. And when you've got all those pieces together and Rodgers at the helm, man, that, that thing can click real, really well. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all of that. I mean, the, the second-year offense is, is a really good point. And the other thing I wanted to bring up is just, I mean, they, they're looking really good. They've looked amazing. I don't have the stat in front of me. I wish I, I tried to find it before this, and I couldn't. But as of a couple weeks ago, the Packers, for a team, had lost more yards to drop passes than I think anyone else. So they were, they were top two or three or something like that. Like, they were very high in terms of drop passes caused, leading to lost yards, lost touchdowns, and everything like that. So it's kind of one of those, like, they looked, uh, you know, they they looked good. The offense has taken huge steps, but also like if they increase the personnel, they can look even better. So I mean, I think there is that second year jump is real. That's something that we've talked about coming into this year. Talked about Ryan's second year in the offense that was very similar to this, and and Green Bay's taking a step. There's more familiarity. There's all that stuff, but they can also improve with with a couple more kind of very good pieces. That's why I mean, one of the reasons I kind of wanted Will Fuller, and then I had to 
forget that I actually wanted Will Fuller after all the suspension stuff came out. <laughs> like you get you get good players instead of like replacement or slightly below replacement level guys. As much as I like MVS and what his skill set brings, you get a, like a guy that's that's better than MVS in there that doesn't drop as many balls. Like it explodes. So I mean, I think it's. They've improved for reasons that we all kind of thought they were going to improve, but they can take that next step with, with just a little better talent, whether that's guys in the system yet another year or bringing in some guys with a little higher upside than that. Um, it's, I don't know, it's exciting, man. Sarah, do you have anything to, on top of that? No, you guys you guys got it. I know that was your your question, so let you have I just fun. Wanted, just wanted to double-check. No. double-check. All right, last up, we have Kevin Cushing. It says, at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher 4, at Steve something. (laughs) Your review of gingerbread Oreos will be on the script this week, I assume. You know what, Kevin, since you don't know my damn name, you don't get an Oreo review about the gingerbread Oreos. Sorry, buddy. Nope, just not going to do it. In the spirit of Christmas, I was thinking about continue, like giving out. I've had the gingerbread Oreos. I have a take on them, but I'm not going to do it because if he can't, if, if you, you, you hit me at Steve and then space something, nope. Sorry, buddy. Just try again next week. If you get my name right, maybe we'll answer the question. We'll see. But, uh, yeah, hard pass on that one. Hard pass on that one. So let's move it into the closing thoughts, guys. Uh, <laughs> Sarah, we're going to start with you. Um. So first, I just wanted to give a little shout out to Maggie because uh, Maggie Loney, who also is on the Packet Day podcast, writes for She Said TV, does Game on Wisconsin stuff, has her own uh, Packs What She Said podcast. So lot, lots of things Maggie is involved in, which I'm sure you already all know. But she. Uh, Got a little retweet from Zadarius Smith this week, and I know she's a big fan of Zadarius Smith, so I thought that was super awesome, so shout out to Maggie on that. Um, And then, yeah, other than that, um, I'll have my game recap up this week, probably around 7, 7.30, whenever the game is done, Um, or Eastern time, sorry, I know not everyone is in that time zone. So, yeah, looking forward to another great week and hearing from you guys and what your thoughts are on the game, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, for me, I've got, you know, first of all, then shout out to our Steve who got a retweet from uh, from the GOAT, Charles Woodson, uh, which is is pretty impressive. Um, uh, So I've got my writing... That was uh, that was pretty amazing, Steve. Um, mm-hmm. I'll say the uh, so my writing stuff I have you know normal stuff. Yeah, uh, yesterday over Pack Report, I went I talked about a transition go that Rogers hit to Lazard and then kind of a comeback route off of that that he hit to Adams earlier in the game. And if you've been if you've been following this, following me at all, um, transition go is one of Rogers. He talked about this on a Kyle Brandt podcast in the off season. Uh, his his current his favorite type of throw. And so I've been kind of that's one of those I've been tracking. I pulled together kind of last three years, and then uh, for this one I've kind of been tracking week to week and so uh, it's always fun kind of seeing that and he had a couple this week so that was good uh today at packer report i've got uh the my pressure thing which is just like a four-man rush but it's breaking down the savage interception so it's fun i get to get to talk about the uh, kind of the pass rush itself which is a four-man rush but then the defense behind it which is essentially man i get to talk about you know some rat coverage some robber coverage stuff like that and so that's gonna be up in packer report uh early uh early this afternoon and then later today over on Cheesehead, 
I've got my my passing chronicles where I talk about passing concepts, talk a little play action bootleg. I break down Rogers' uh, 400th touchdown off of a off of an RPO look. Uh, just really really fun week. And then lastly, I want to say so I watched a movie this past week. I don't know if you guys have heard of it. I assume you have. It's called Freaky. It just came out. Uh, on VOD this past Friday. It is a slasher movie. Surprise, surprise. Uh, It's a slasher take on the Freaky Friday thing. So it's a body switch movie with a high school girl and Vince Vaughn as a serial killer. A lot of fun. So for the the majority of the movie, you get Vince Vaughn kind of hamming it up as a high school girl. It is. Uh, it was directed, written, directed by Christopher Landon, who is, if you know, if you're of my age, Steve's age, Highway to Heaven, uh, Little House on the Prairie. It's uh, it's Michael Landon's son. He's now a writer director, and so this was one of his movies that he did. And I bring this all up because there's a scene in the movie when they have to hide Vince Vaughn's face because everyone thinks he's a serial killer. They don't understand he's actually a high school girl in a serial killer's body, and to disguise him, they wear uh, he wears an Aaron Rodgers mask. And they call him Creepy Aaron Rodgers, and he's running around town in a really creepy rubber Aaron Rodgers mask. And I actually read a piece on it. Apparently he originally wanted – Landon originally wanted uh, John Goodman, and John Goodman didn't quite understand. He's like, so you want to wear my face would be scary, and he didn't quite understand. And so he said no, but Aaron Rodgers apparently said, yes, I would like to do that. So they made an Aaron Rodgers mask that doesn't quite look like Aaron Rodgers, and it's Vince Vaughn for roughly a 15-minute stretch running around in a black T-shirt and this Aaron Rodgers mask just stumbling into people, and it's tremendous. Tremendous. So, uh, so if you're into horror movies at all, I thought that I was always a fan of the uh, the Green Bay Packer connection there. So, if you're into horror movies at all, it's a fun movie. Uh, it's funny, and also you get some uh, some weird Aaron Rodgers bits in there, which is uh, always a good time. Very cool. Uh, for me, shout out when this actually is released on Wednesday. It is my dad's birthday, so happy birthday to mm-hmm. him. He absolutely has no idea what Twitter is and does not listen to the podcast, but still good vibes uh, sending over there uh, for him. And, you know, I don't really have a whole lot otherwise going on just uh, with the holiday season. Just try to go out and do some good stuff. Like, you know, I recommended a person for a job, like to I helped – hook up a guy that I went to college with, with somebody else in the Chicagoland area in the sports media market. And, you know, it wasn't asked upon me to do that. It was just one of those things like you, you see it, you see the connection and you can help somebody out. Like go out and do those nice things for people. It's a, you know, it's a time of year. You should be doing it all year, but especially nowadays, just go out and do anything positive, anything good for anybody that you can uh, reach out to anybody who's struggling and, and just, you know, Wear a damn mask. That's all I'm going to say. Uh, we love every time you guys interact with us on Twitter. It's always so much fun. Uh, so make sure following everybody at Dusty Evely, at Sarah Kelleher 4, at Steve Perhatch, and at Packaday Podcast. Thank you again for all of your questions. We will be back next week with a Packers victory over the Lions sitting at 10-3. and 3. Dusty, Sarah, thanks again. We will catch you guys next week. And as always, Go Pack Go!
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.